This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I'm Chris Bentliff, and I'm joined by managing partner and co-founder of Pro CFO Partners, my good friend Nelson Tepfer. And Nelson, um, when you told me what we were going to talk about today, I immediately was excited, and I just want to share this anecdote to kind of I don't know, kick us off. I had a conversation just two or three days ago with a professional services company. And part of their, uh, they they signed up with some outfit and part of what they got with that was a, a website, a free website. Great. And all they've had is problems since the minute that they got going with that. And so they called me and they said, you know, can can we can you help me with this, 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 this? And I said, uh, okay, give me a little bit of understanding. And then they said, you know, they gave us this free website. I said, oh, so you've been paying them for this website. And and they said, well, no, it's it's built in free. I said, no, how much time have you already wasted having to worry about this, having to figure this out on phone calls, in emails? That's That has a cost to it. Uh, congratulations, your free website has been cost, has, has been costing you uh, much more than the free dollars and cents that, that you thought uh, it would get. And I think that that's a great way for us to sort of dive into some of this together when we talk about you get what you pay for. And, and I, I can't wait to, to, to know more about your experience on what do you mean by that when we talk about you get what you pay for. So, Chris, always great talking to you. Thank you for having me back on. I always enjoy our conversations. So you get what you pay for is obviously a very, very wide-ranging topic to dive into. But we can start with some of the basic ones, you know, from our perspectives as CFOs and financial executives. You know, very often within organizations, there's always that. And we can start with simply the employee side of things, you know, the compensation that you pay for your team. And having that conversation around you get what you pay for. Forget titles for whatever reason, because very often we see that mismatch of title and experience and compensation level. So assuming all of that is correct for the moment, you know, the companies that choose to pay or negotiate harder for what the comp level should be. And the, res- and the result is either a poorly performing, underperforming, and not qualified employee, or just one who's you know six months later already looking for the next dollar or the next different company for them to move over to for a little bit higher compensation. So as most of us know, the cost of replacing an employee obviously is ridiculously high. I think I've seen numbers up to between two and three times what that salary is. So a lot of it comes down to you get what you pay for when it comes to your employees as you you obviously want to pay as much as you can or should want to pay really realistically as much as you can to make sure you have the right people on board. You know, because the the not doing that, unfortunately, costs a lot more than just the actual dollar amount difference in salary negotiation that you went through that employee. Why is it that as leaders, uh, at least in my perspective, we are chronically inadequate in this area. We either don't look for talent in the right way. We think that we're uh, better equipped than somebody who, uh, you know, a recruiter, for instance, who could really, who really does this and sharpens their knives on this all day long. But we're constantly in this, uh, the tension between, you know, uh, incentives or compensation and and talent and performance is, is always there and it can be a healthy one. But I think business leaders are constantly thinking they can coach from within or they can develop this person or they can hire the young young buck out of college and turn them into something. And as you're describing, even if I get to performance with them, the parabola on that is so much steeper than finding the right talent in the right uh, time. Well, What's my problem? We can, 
We can back that up a little bit for a second to, to an even you know bigger topic. And you know, it's a topic we've already discussed when it comes to the skill wall and various conversations that we've already had. But some of it is recognizing that you know that employee, right employee, you know, having the right person in the right seat kind of conversation very often is certainly more than just strictly the dollar or the, or the compensation or that just the salary that you're that you're paying that person. For most people, you know, yes, that that's what they look at as a measure of what they're doing or how they're doing it. But very often, what's going to truly engage that employee, which is where companies truly get the productivity and get the team that they're looking for, is is very often beyond just strictly that base compensation dollar that they're negotiating when the person's walking in the door. So it's how do you build that engagement and build that culture around that person? So you're not strictly just paying it for that for the dollar amount that you that we've already negotiated or both of you walk away upset with because you settled on a number neither of you are happy with and bringing this person on board for. You know, and we, we do have some great episodes on that, on, on engagement and how, how employees need to feel valued and that their values align with a company's values. So is it a cultural uh, issue, do you think, or, or where are some other places where, uh, I mean, I'm thinking about everything from facilities to vendor relationships to, uh, uh, you know, the other partners that I have uh, around me that can help me out um, such as my CFO, where else am I getting what I pay for? And how should I be thinking about this? You know, it's obvious. We, it's intellectually, we know, but we always emotionally make some other decision. Uh, at least uh, many of us do. We, we absolutely do. So obviously, there's, you know, we have to recognize that, yes, you can't just get pay for, you know, whatever it is that the number is. You know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it, whether it's an employee or an advisor or an expert or a vendor in any way, in any way shape, or form. There's obviously beyond a certain point where you simply cannot afford it, which makes the entire conversation moot. But, for, you know, very often it's important to recognize what is the value either for this role or this expert or this vendor or this whatever whatever expense you're thinking about, what is the true value to you in having this done correctly or done right or done so you don't need to think about it anymore? So take an employee, for instance, and we can pick any employee at any different at any level. What is the value in having this employee be somebody you don't need to micromanage or you don't need to stay constantly on top of? You don't need to fix errors. You don't need to have three other managers overlooking this person's role. What is the value in that? And what is that compensation difference in making sure you're getting that right value? So, for instance, you can have one the, the one employee like that at one level of compensation, whereas if you pay to get the next level, you can get an entirely different level of talent. What is the value of that spread for you? What is the value in not having to, again, spend all of your time managing, fixing, creating the tension that may come from having that underqualified or, you know, what again, there's a base level of, of qualification, which, you know, obviously below that, the conversation is entirely moot. But even assuming you're looking at these two types of things, what is that value? And then truly understanding that when it comes to when you're creating, again, whether it's the compensation for that, the salary range for what these roles look like, it's truly understanding the value for what, the, what, what this will provide for you moving forward. Give me some parameters around that idea of value. Uh, should I be literally figuring out a hourly rate or a dollar rate? I think you mean. So we, we can get into some specifics. You know, tell some fun stories here. You know, take a, take a company that decides they need a they need a controller. You know, for instance, we can use that title obviously because that's something we come across quite often in the type of work that we do with our clients. They need a controller. Now, a good, experienced controller, you know, obviously demands a certain level of compensation. Can you find one for twenty or thirty thousand dollars? Yes, absolutely. What does that cost you when you choose to hire somebody twenty to thirty thousand dollars less, who is not as qualified, not as experienced, not as relevant, doesn't have the right, you know, having done this before? 
Now, if you truly cannot afford that twenty to thirty thousand dollars, then you may want to look at what the role you're looking for. And that's not perhaps a controller. That may be an accounting manager. That may be a senior man or some other type of managerial role. But that's un truly understanding what you're paying for and what the value is and what you're getting from that. Because a truly experienced and really good controller obviously takes so much more off of your plate as a business leader can handle so much more within the organization. So you don't have to deal with this. You might need one or two less staff people. So they might save you an extra $50,000, for instance, because they know enough to understand the right processes and procedures to actually implement around some of the things that they deal with. They might know better vendor negotiation and save you more money that way. So when you just look at it as just strictly that dollar amount of, oh, this, this person is $20,000 more than this, well, what you get what you pay for, for many of these instances. Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com It's a great perspective and I love this idea of kind of the cost of not, because part of what you're describing is uh, not just um, their capabilities and their skill sets and what they will do, but all of the opportunity that open up to you as a leader, when you are not having to deal with this, you can do more visioning, you can do more goal setting, you can do more strategic thinking, you can do more of X, Y, and Absolutely. Z exponentially. And, and around business, this comes up so often, forget about just your employees, which accountant are you working with? Mm -hmm. Which lawyer are you working with? Yeah, there are different, you know, obviously lawyers cost varying amounts per hour and varying and varying structures around the way they work. But very often you should have an expert, which is going to cost you more for some of the issues you may be dealing with, because not having that expert can cost you a whole lot more farther down the road if you don't have the right lawyer in your, in your, in your corner. Similarly with an accountant, it's not strictly about, well, how much is he saving me on taxes? There's a perspective and an expertise that comes with having the right advisors in your corner that really allow you to continue to grow and scale your company. That is a great, uh, a great point. Do you have some advice on, I don't know, are there some places where I can realistically and sort of reasonably look to uh, create a savings of time or of money or of convenience or whatever these are places I loved what you shared a second ago where you said, look, maybe, maybe if you can't afford an X controller, maybe you can't afford some variant of that that is less responsibilities. What how can I think of this beyond just uh, look, you 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 know, you got to be ready to dish out more for higher performance? What if I can't do that? How do I break it down so, a little bit? So in talking about the finance and accounting function, which is obviously where our expertise lies, where we can start there. There are varying layers or levels of outsourcing you can look to employ, whether it's at the bookkeeper or controller level, where you may be able to pay for a higher level of expertise because you don't need it as much. So it's understanding the value of having a fully built function that's going to support what you're doing. You know, obviously, from our perspective, we look at the CFO level of most companies don't need a full time CFO. So you shouldn't be paying that full time real CFO salary. You should be looking to bring in somebody like us because we can take on that role just on a part time basis. 
But even, you know, again, we were talking about the controller kind of roles where we've seen this happen, for instance, is, you know, an example where they thought they needed a full-time CFO. And then after our conversation, they said, okay, maybe a controller. And after we figured out what really what they needed, it was actually an accounting manager and us overseeing that accounting manager. And that ended up being much cheaper than what they initially were planning on spending as a CFO. Do you feel like, um, what if I flip this on its head? What if I, what if what I'm paying for, uh, what if I'm not getting what I should be getting when I pay for it? So I'm thinking about, you know, there's companies that are pulling a lot of dead weight. And if I've got a high level CFO or other finance function, other executive, six figure person, you know, and they've been with me for a long time, but they're not helping me modernize. They're not keeping up. How do I start to recalibrate my expectations of what I am paying for? So it's a, that's actually a little bit of a trap that many fall into the way you phrased it. Ah. It's not recalibrating your expectations. It's making sure it's recognizing that what you what that you did not get what you were looking for in this hire. And again, we see this very often as companies grow. We were talking to one company recently where they said they brought on, you know, again, their top finance person, they were calling it a VP of finance. So again, a very significant salary, you know, compared to the company size. And two years later, they still don't have the insight they needed to make the decisions that they were looking for from that role. And they were asking me, well, you know, we tried giving more support. And I just asked them point blank. It's like, I understand you're trying to build around this person, but is this the right person for you? And you see both of the people I'm speaking to kind of pause and said, well, probably not. <laughs> you know, just having that recognition over there. So it's not about recalibrating their expectations. It's recognizing that their expectations were realistic. They had the wrong person over there to try and meet them. That is a great point. And I feel like we should reiterate it. There are a lot of uh, leaders who lower their expectations or minimize uh, their hopes of something because as soon as somebody gets into a role, they realize, oh, okay. And then they get it back into what you shared before. Well, if we if we try to let go of this person, it's going to be another umpteen weeks before we can train. So we got to go back into recruitment mode. We got to back. Let's just settle. Do you feel like that's mm -hmm. something that uh, happens a lot? We just sort of, okay. It does. It really, really does where they do settle. And that comes from, this is where the expectations become key. When you're bringing on any new person in a role, whether it's a role you had or a new role or a role you're replacing, you have very clear expectations with specific, okay, within 30 days, we expect this person to be able to do this. Within 60 days, this. Within 90 days, this. Because if you move on, if you choose to make the decision to change it at that point, it's much easier than two years later and the person is now entrenched in the company and you're trying to figure out what to do now. Because that becomes much, much more difficult. You need to be able to recognize whether the person is a fit and can meet the expectations quickly. And the hardest part is you have to be able to take action quickly. Because to your point, that is definitely something we see for many grown companies where they have made wrong hires. They know they made the wrong hires, but they still keep the person around far too long. You know, you make a really good point that I think a lot of this is on us as business leaders. It's really easy to think, uh, oh, this person is underperforming or this isn't what we hoped for. But have you given that person the expectations? Have you told them, here's where we expect you to be in 30 days? And uh, you know, here's some resources, here's some training. Have we given them everything they need to succeed? Or did we just sort of throw them in the mix and figure that they would be like us and be able to adjust quickly? Or, or you know, they would see the same things we see, or they would have the skill sets that we have uh, right out the gate. 
Do you agree that there's a responsibility that we have as leaders, whether we're hiring or managing or whatever, to... There, there definitely is. There, there really is that responsibility to be able to communicate those expectations. But you know, where many companies get tripped up again is if it's in an area where they don't know or an area they don't expect, and they're hoping that this person they're bringing in will tell them some of the things that they need. And then it becomes, well, okay, did you bring in the right person who can tell you what you need for this or not? And unfortunately, that certainly becomes a lot more difficult, especially if it's an area you're not that familiar with. For instance, many business owners do not come from finance or accounting backgrounds, especially if they're not from a finance or accounting business. But many of them come from delivering a product or a service really, really well, and now they're building an entire business around it. Or their family built this from the second or third generation previously, and now they're continuing to scale and grow this. They don't know this side of the business, perhaps, and they say, okay, great, I need a controller, I need a CFO, and they hire someone who has that title in their background, not knowing what they should or shouldn't be expecting from this role. And therefore, two years later, when they're having these issues we're describing, they're like, well, he was a CFO, we thought he could do this. So that's where the expectations become clear, not just on just saying, okay, you need to be able to do this, but this is the impact we're looking for you to have on this company. So that's, it goes back to just the impact of it as well. But the keeping that person two years, going back to where we started that conversation, that's where you get to that cost of inaction. You're paying for it by keeping this person far longer. You get what you pay for. It's not just the actual dollar amount you're laying out, but you also get what you pay for as in you choosing to keep this person here has its own cost as well that you're choosing to pay. How do I act with confidence if I'm, if this is not an area where I feel like I know a lot, how do I hire the right CFO, if this isn't an area of expertise for me beyond sort of, I don't know, checking with my network or gut checks or something, what do I do? So there are, well, first of all, call us for our CFO partners. That's exactly what we do. But aside from that, <laughs> aside from that, there, you know, yes, when you say, when I say network or things to check with, it's recognizing the experts in your network who would have good insight into this. So check with the, you know, your account that you really know. Some bankers are really well connected to some of these kind of things. Peer networks are very, very powerful. CEO peer-to-peer advisory groups are very, very powerful in this space as well because you're talking to other business owners who have been through similar struggles to you. Nelson Tepfer, managing partner, co-founder at ProCFO Partners. For me, always the smartest guy in the room. Thanks for uh, sharing some of this today. My wheels are spinning. I feel like we'll come back maybe and have a part two of this conversation because it's so valuable and epidemic. I mean, it's just chronic. We are constantly dealing with this especially now as the labor market is so tight and as things are in the supply chains are so tight, we're always dealing with some aspect of this. And I feel like you've really helped us touch on some practical points on this uh, to think about. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Always great chatting with you. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.